You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reeder. This podcast is brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and Pro Extra, a wholly owned division of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hello there, and welcome to episode 43 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm Nicola Reeder, your host, and as always, I am delighted to have you joining us to this week's show. So we are racing towards Christmas, although it seems the guidelines are changing yet again in terms of what we can and can't do. But as always, we sincerely hope that you're doing as well as you can through these really challenging times and that you're at least hopefully trying to get a little bit into the Christmas spirit, although it is, of course, going to be a little bit weird for all of us this year. So I mentioned at the back end of last week's episode that uh, it was a slightly different conversation coming up on on this week's show and I will be handing over to um, John Knight from EF Engineering to talk about uh, a solution for keeping us safe at exhibitions in 2021 uh, but more of that later on. Um, Before we get to that conversation I just wanted to pick up on something I've just been reading about the American film market uh, which brings home the idea that you can have those serendipitous moments at virtual events that there's been so much chat about recently. I've mentioned it in webinars that we've been delivering. We've talked about it on the podcast. The one thing that we're all missing at live events is that queue for a coffee chat or sitting in a theatre and just talking to the person next to you, even the queues for the, the lose, all those times where you just start a conversation with somebody and they may not be relevant to your product or service, but they know who someone and know someone who is. And suddenly you're having a conversation that has real potential for your business. And the one thing we're all saying is, well, you just don't get that on virtual. You just it doesn't happen in the same way. It's also stale compared to the vibrancy of that live experience. But what I've read about the American film market, which is a film industry event that happens in Santa Monica every year, was that they actually managed to create not an exact replica of that serendipity, but I think it goes much further forward in networking and bringing us what we want from a virtual event um, than anything I've seen before. Now, the American film market is uh, held annually and usually delivers about a billion pounds worth of deals that change hands from that event from a relatively small number of visitors. And of course, this year they couldn't go ahead with that. So they delivered an online campus. It ran in November and there was visitors from about 82 countries that registered for that event. Now, that's significantly more uh, countries, a significantly bigger global scope than they've ever had before, which is what we've all been talking about in terms of virtual. One of the really big benefits is that that virtual platform can bring you to whole new markets around the world you've not explored before. So they created a really nice user interface um, that looked like the physical event. So it was a basically a screen of buildings that had you gone to their live event, you would have seen the same layout, the same map. So you knew what was going to happen in each of those buildings and you could pick which one you wanted to go to. And across those buildings, they had a couple of stages for conferences. They had a networking pavilion, an exhibit hall, an on-demand theatre. The thing that really caught my eye was this video interactive networking pavilion that they'd got. And that's what they say created the serendipity. So really what you did in that was you walked into the networking pavilion virtually and there's an elevator and you could get off at different floors. And those different floors were themed around different areas of film. So perhaps action and and adventure or drama. Or there were a couple of floors that were unthemed and you could just have a general conversation um, about film. So what you do is just walk up to whichever floor you got off at, walk up to one of the the tables where there was a conversation ongoing uh, and you would instantly click to join and and 
participate in the video conversation that was already going on there. You didn't need to go anywhere else to download an app. You didn't need to register anywhere um, else. As soon as you clicked on that table to join, that was it. You were in and you were part of that conversation. Now, prior to that, you could hover over the other participants in that conversation, find out a little bit more about them, find out where they were from, what they were interested in. And that hopefully gave you an indication of how useful they were going to be for you in terms of your own business. You could also book tables for conversations for pre-meeting, for meetings that you'd pre-arranged if there was somebody you specifically wanted to talk to. But really, you could just rock up, see who is there, see who might be interested, and click to join their conversation. Now, it might feel slightly weird if we're saying you're chatting away, having a video call with people, and then suddenly else somebody else comes in. But actually, if you know that's the rule and you know that's what's going to happen and that's what you're going there for and you expect people to be dropping in and out of these conversations, then actually that's the rules and just get on with it. And it seemed to me like it was a really good way, the closest way we've got of bringing together those serendipitous moments that we're all missing. And they think that they got around 100 networking conversations every hour over four days. So that's 100 networking conversations every hour. It was open 24-7 because obviously this is a global event now, marketing to new countries so that everybody was available to attend any time they want. So it felt to me like a, a really good halfway house, three-quarters way house maybe towards replicating what we get on the show floor. What they also did was have a really great on-demand element for exhibitors in terms of video content. Um, so those videos that obviously it's a film show and lots of people are wanting to preview movies or talk about new events or new projects that they're working on. Um, and they could really control when an exhibitor launched that video, who saw it in terms of the delegate list and the, the registered visitors, um, hold things off to launch on a specific day if they wanted to make some big noise around it. But it was really all in the exhibitor's hands as to how they wanted to play out so they could do teasers, they could do interviews, they could, could um, construct their, con their content around whatever strategy they had for talking to that audience. So really putting the exhibitor back in control of um, what was seen when. And they also delivered a huge number of speakers, 205 speakers across 71 sessions on their two theatres. Um, there was real-time Q&A for that, which is brilliant um, for in terms of building engagement and building community to be part of a conversation at a theatre. But there was also that same video networking element that we'd seen in the networking pavilion. So if you were attending one of the theatre sessions, you could also see who, who else was there. If there was somebody of interest, just click on them and you could start having your own video, private video conversation, um, maybe about something you'd just seen on a session or maybe they just happened to be in the same session that you were interested in. So I know we've all seen some truly uh, terrible examples of virtual this year. We've also seen some good ones. And that one, I think, is uh, probably an organization that's learned a lot. It's lucky to have gone later in the year, learned a lot from what's been seen and delivered across the rest of the year and has really, really tried to think about what is it about live that's missing from virtual and what are the things that we can put in place to really try and not replicate it entirely, but make it feel like it delivers more for exhibitor and visitor um, than events have done in the past. So hopefully that's useful. As I say, it's the American Film Market is the event. And if you just go and check out AFM online, you can see their virtual interface, see some of the things that they uh, have been doing and, and have a play around on their, um, on their virtual event. So over to this week's conversation, which is with John Knight of EF Engineering and his colleague, John Kenyon. And listeners to the podcast regularly will know that we don't often ask suppliers to come onto the show and talk about their product. It's certainly not a sales pitch. But John got in touch with us a couple of months ago as someone working um, if in the events industry. His company does installations for exhibitions and events and who has been 
um, significantly impacted by the pandemic, but had wanted to think about how could they come up with a creative solution to try and help the industry open up again more safely. And we know there's some movement in that direction at the moment, which is brilliant. Um, but I think this conversation was more driven from just showing how innovation in the industry is trying to help us all open safely in 2021. So I hope that is the spirit in which you listen to this conversation. So over to the two Johns. So on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, I am delighted to invite on the show John Knight, who is MD from EF Engineering, and John Kenyon, who is Commercial Director for Eret UK. So Johns, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, just very briefly, before we get uh, too far into our conversation today, um, I'll start with yourself, John Knight. Um, yeah. John, just give us a little bit of background. You're heavily invested in the exhibition industry, so just give us a bit of background in your current role. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, probably going back a, a, a bit, I, I, I left the army with um, a view that I was lacking something. So I went actually went back to uni to study civil engineering, which is really where I spent a large part of my career in construction and infrastructure. And about midway through that, I started to specialise in HSE risk, process safety, behavioural management. And that's where I, 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 I felt most at home. And, and that led me to some senior uh, leadership roles in a company called MACE. Uh, MACE are responsible for things like T5, the Shard, the Olympics. Um, and they, it, that really sort of opened my eyes to a whole range of, uh, of, of things that were possible when you're looking at a project, in particular around um, project delivery and about how, what does a can-do attitude really look like in a real world? And I, in 2014, I was approached and asked to lead EF Engineering, which was a bit of a sort of a, a, a flip for me from being within large corporate organisations into a small startup. Um, the business was newly formed. It was part of the EF Group. Um, the EF Group consists of Exhibition Freighting and EF Travel, both solely dedicated to the exhibition industry. Uh, obviously, freighting, clients in broadcast, uh, shipping around the world, uh, agents in 57 countries around the world. And EF Travel support, as well as sending the, the products and the stands, we can also send the people to wherever uh, the, the event is. And we can manage that whole service for people making it easier to attend an event so that's really what's brought me to here um what we do um, um you want to go into that now or, or? yeah yeah absolutely just give the a top line on what ef engineering is okay about. so what what we do is is i mean we're we're an engineering business by by title and, and by name but uh what we do is transform everyday products uh, with our engineering skills and, and we're renowned for our finishes to turn products into something amazing. You know? uh, and and the 60% of our clients use our services to showcase their products at events, exhibitions, trade fairs, maybe reception pieces. So we, we, we turn their products into something that is outstanding, maybe by cutting in half, putting LEDs, making it spin, maybe creating 3D printed versions of it, scaled versions. So we, we work closely with clients to create unique pieces that, that help them increase footfall or to be able to take the product to market. Um, and, and we're renowned for, for our, our customer service and our support. That's where we, we've, uh, we've been able to build relationships over the last six years. Um, we also have another part which is around specialist finishes 
and liquid metal finishes and that's that's really designers architects interior uh, uh, businesses and they use our, our finishes on anything from wall panels to lighting furniture art installation sculptures so we, again it's transforming a product from one thing to another but that creates that elevates its look and its feel brilliant so i think what i'm taking from that is that really if engineering is all about taking a product that might be it could be quite functional it could look something that's um kind of more simple and making it a lot more memorable a lot more engaging a lot more eye-catching um so that people are drawn to it absolutely i i I call it it's uh it's like real world photoshopping (laughs) people people put adverts in magazines and they enhance them what we do is we do that with the real thing and because because of our relationship with uh, the EF group we, we can offer clients a real end-to-end service so we can design something create it finish it and we can also deliver it to the show and to the stand so we take a lot of the pain of exhibiting away from a client wherever we can brilliant and the other John John Kenyon tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment what's happening in your world Obviously, we're exceedingly busy. Um, Arete really came out from uh, government work with the uh, DSTL work we were doing uh, with the ambulance service. So our chemists and virologists, uh, who were independent consultants at the time, were brought in to support, obviously, this horrendous sort of scenario we're facing with the pandemic, uh, looking for solutions from a point of view of, of not just product, but also the actual deployment and application of the product. So... Arec sort of came out of the back of that uh, in the sense of being a commercial entity. So we've been uh, putting that process, procedure and product into uh, commercial traction with the rail industry, the motor industry, and now obviously with business itself in in really the deployment of the product um, through uh, really technically based businesses because ours is an industrial based application. Um, the product itself um, and the atomization process have, have been designed to deliver it in, in industrial fashion so it can be deployed um, to deliver the results it needs to do. So, yeah, a rep's come out of a very technical uh, start point um, and it's got a very large and, and broad technical team that supports it um, in any, any of the applications that we're asked to sort of assist with. So any of our listeners might now be thinking... This is quite strange. Why do we have an engineering company and um, a virologist or, or chemical company on the show? What's that all about? So I guess in some way you've found a way of helping the exhibitions industry open again safely. So tell us a little bit more about why you approached us and said, you really want to talk to the exhibition industry about what we're doing. What have you created as a solution? Well, it's, it's, it's really from, from our perspective, because of the, 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 the technical aspects of the product itself, the testing protocols, procedures it's been through, and the application process, which is an atomized application process using very particular engineered products. The it's not something you can just give to somebody um, in a van and away they go. Um, it's very much through training, through through procedures. So our partnership that we look for is is with equally technically um, enabled businesses that can deploy it but equally can see uh, a requirement in their space, their business space, um, in offering that service. So that's how we ended up teaming up uh, with EF. Um, and equally, they're looking to us, I presume, for the technical support that we're then giving. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, that that fits sort of where we were talking to our clients. And, and, and the conversations were evolving over the lockdown period, but they had some real 
um, real concerns around confidence and around wanting to go back to shows but not wanting to send people abroad. So we were looking at how we could solve uh, a range of problems, not just um, this, but, but, but really about pro providing uh, a service that helps build confidence, uh, in particular around getting back to exhibitions and about around face-to-face -face, um, events. And when we when we met with Eric UK and, and, and John and, and his team, you know, it just seemed like we've got a skill set that's and capability, uh, resource capability that that can deliver the, the service and applicate the service. And they've got the best product that's in the market. And and it just seemed a natural coming together of those two things to to for us to be able to go out and and support our clients and the wider exhibition industry to try and get to build a level of confidence that people can go back into uh, events and exhibitions. So tell me, I know from myself from speaking to event organisers and speaking to exhibitors that even when the UK gets the green light for exhibitions again, that's only half the battle. Actually, we have to get people back on the show floor. One of the biggest concerns that we've got at the moment is, are they safe? Am I going to contract something when I'm there? But I understand from talking to you that you've been working on a brilliant solution over the summer. So tell me exactly what it is that you've come up with that will help exhibitors and visitors feel safer. What, what, what have you actually, what's the actual product? Give me the, the details. The product itself is, is, a, is an atomized uh, biocide. So if you take what, would, what we're actually facing as, as, a, as, a, as a pandemic, the, the virus itself is airborne. Um, the World Health Organization have sort of now come to accept that it is an airborne problem. Uh, yes, it sits on the surface and can sit on the surface for X amount of time, depending on which surface you're talking about. But tackling it in the air is, is the biggest challenge. So our journey was, yes, we can uh, create a biocide as we have done working with the likes of Stepan and BSF as, as chemical providers. And our formulators and virologists, chemists together have come up with the biocide. It's the deployment of the biocide. Do you, do you, you know, deploy it through a fogging system? Do you deploy it as a, as a wipe down process? We looked at all of that and worked with a, a German engineering company called SATA. Um, who are specialists in, believe it or not, spray guns. Uh, but they're, they're, the, the, the culture of, of what they end up doing is an atomization. So you are creating the product in the smallest possible form you can. It's like a, 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 a mist in the air, but it, it, it travels in such a way that it goes up, down, left and right, dealing with the virus that then is airborne, uh, attaching itself to the, the hard shell of the, air, the, the virus and basically deactivating it, killing it. Um, so that's the, the process that we do. So if you took up an exhibition space where you've got a very decent volume of air, um, you're wanting to sort of fill that air uh, for the product as much as product as possible. It's going to work its way through the air and also through the surfaces where it creates a, a sort of film coating. Um, that coating is there. Um, yes, it can be wiped off, obviously, and you're looking at then a continual application thereafter. We also, working with John, will put together the protocols for that exhibition area, that space. So hand sanitizers on entrance, basic uh, protocols, of, of, of which we're all kind of used to now, the use of masks and safe distance, etc. But we will put that protocol into place at the same time. So we'll make that environment as safe as you possibly can. And, and I think that's where um, our partnership, you know, we, we looked at this as the, the, the restrictions that are placed on people allow the, the control of people take individual responsibility so they're looking after themselves they they shouldn't travel if they if they have any concerns around infection so people having an exhibition hall can can safely control the people coming into it 
uh, we can they can manage the processes around, as John said there, around the, um, uh, hygiene, around sanitization point, hand washing, visors, perspex, screens, uh, limiting the touch points. But ultimately, what we what we're trying to do is add to that and and add another layer of, of protection, which builds confidence in that we can deal with the space, we can deal with the atmosphere around those spaces, and we can provide a, a, a very high degree of, of decontamination and sanitization in an area that you know that people are coming into a very clean and hygienically controlled infection uh, managed, risk managed environment. And John Knight, this question's to you, you know the exhibitions industry really well. So if I was an event organizer, how, how would I see that working at my event? What would you come in and do? What would it look like? Yeah, so the way we've put this together and the way we've been talking to organizers and venues is that we would um, we would work alongside them and, and maybe even with their, their on-site partners, where at the end of a, a day, uh, we would then go and sanitize the whole area. We could. Um, we would then once cleaned. We would need a, a clear space of half an hour, and then it would be ready to reoccupy. And we could treat very large areas with teams of people uh, very effectively. Um, and we we believe we can provide a, an extra layer uh, for them to be able to go out to their client base and, and invite people in. So when they're going to talk to exhibition uh, uh, to clients about put in a stand together they can add to that that they've got an extra level of protection that their every day their stand will be sanitized completely from top to bottom knowing that 99.9 percent of the viruses in that space have been treated and atomized and tell me where you have been using this solution so far already and the sorts of results and effects that you've had through using it um I'll, I'll let so I'll, I'll tell you where we've been using it, but I, I'll let John explain more about because obviously they've grown up with this product and and uh, turned it into a, a commercial venture. So we've used it in in offices, in in hospitality, and some small conference venues. Um, we are hoping to do some trials. We're, we're in negotiations at the moment to do trials in uh, possibly be uh, business design center or NEC, and we have some. Um, early uh, discussions going on at the moment regarding uh, hotels because hotels at the moment are about um, having to leave rooms isolated for a period of time. We can go in, sanitize that room, and it can be ready to occupy within 30 minutes. So obviously there's a benefit there. The problem the hotel industry has at the moment is low occupancy. So at the moment, they, they've got enough rooms to be able to rotate on a, on a regular basis because they've only got up to 20% occupancy. So as that occupancy increases, as confidence starts to come back, then we're, we're there ready to be able to sanitize a hotel room. Someone can go back within 30 minutes of, of being uh, sanitized. It's ready to, uh, to reoccupy. Jo John, do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the broader um, uh, clients that you supported? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the, the, the product started its life with the chemist virologist within the ambulance service uh, and working in that space. We, we've moved on from there um, and we work in the rail industry now. We consult to two of the um, Midlands-based uh, rail companies. We've been featured on BBC and we're sort of following our story through there. That's progressed and, and was it well in parallel in, into the motor industry. So we create a barrier now where a car is being serviced. It comes in. We've created a bubble for that car to be protected for, this, for the work 
guys that are repairing that vehicle from it being handed over from the client. And then obviously when they hand it back to the client, it's been, it's been treated at the same time. So that, that works very, very well across a network of garages uh, within the UK. On the, on the sort of business side, we're working with um, four or five retail sort of medium-sized parks at the moment um, on looking at their client bank that sits within that park. And we're dealing with anything from sort of warehouse uh, dash offices that sit within that. But again, that's all through third-party work. We we ourselves don't go out and do the work. We work with partners that have got that that link locally. So we support them uh, through protocols. And we're very big on writing a protocol per situation because each one that you come across is slightly different, um, albeit we're all trying to achieve the same thing. There are certain different challenges depending on the, the, the location. So certainly with the exhibition wheel, we would be working with EF and the exhibition organisers themselves and designing that protocol so that it's, it's literally as safe as it possibly can be. Um, and they can then pass that that sort of security and that uh, feeling of, 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 of feeling extra safe really within, within that space. Brilliant, thank you. I think the, um, the car uh, analogy is interesting as well because you never really think about it in terms of you just drop your car off and pick it up but actually how many people are yeah. going to sit in it work on it during that time so it's um it's really interesting one so john knight what do you think for exhibitors we get um, an awful lot of exhibitors listening and, and conversations that we've had recently with some of our clients it's just around i just don't how much time is it going to take how much yeah. effort how do i make sure my people are safe how do i prove to my internal board especially for the american companies that my people are safe what are some of the real benefits that you think this system has for exhibitors in getting back on yeah. the show floor? Um, so I, I, I'll give you the feedback we're getting from, from the clients that we're working with so far. Um, but I'll, I'll also let John come in about the broader benefits because it, that they, that because of the technical aspects around this, there are some really big benefits that John's probably better uh, uh, to explain than I am. From our point of view, that our clients are coming back and saying the four key things is, is speed, efficiency, cost, and effectiveness. So the speed, the application is very easy, uh, easily deployed, uh, and it can be rapidly um, applied in a large or small area. It's a, a very mobile unit, so we would turn up with a, with a, a, a team of people with mobile equipment, and we can hit a big area in, in a very... Uh, fast time the second thing is the, the efficiency of the product and and this is where john will talk a lot more about the the benefits of the atomized system um and and you know we, we've been very clear to not undermine other you know other systems in place other cleaning regimes that they are all better than having nothing in place but this is this is at the at the forefront of the best uh solutions that are out there at the moment and what we're trying to do is, is to bring that and, and the efficiency of the product and the fact that within 30 minutes of the application, you can reoccupy a space is, is, you know, is, is very, very beneficial for our clients. The other is cost. I mean, compared to other systems, we, we offer a better level of disinfectant. And we, you know, I think we've been talking about rates of between 60 and a pound a square meter for the big exhibition areas obviously each job is unique and we would look at each job um, on its merits but we're, we're looking at rate, uh, rates around that area and finally the, the effectiveness is the it targets it targets the bacteria and the viruses that are airborne as well as on the surfaces and as we've said if left undisturbed it, it will stay effective for up to 60 hours and and that, that I think is is 
four key reasons why our clients uh, uh, are embracing this as a, as a product. So as a, as a, a formulated product, um, the, the first thing that any product should, should go through is, is what they call a British standard EN test. Uh, so the, the recognised one in the UK is 14476. And there are five stages to that particular test. We've gone through all five. Um, so we're validated in the sense of, of, of being able to say we kill uh, the coronavirus. You're then looking at the deployment of the product um, and the deployment of the product we looked at from a point of view of, of simple application through, let's call it a little handheld trigger spray that you use at home, through to a fogging system, through to where we've ended up, which is the atomization system. Um, and the, the challenge we all faced was dealing with the virus. So in layman's terms, bacteria and viruses are two entirely different things. Um, I was like the virologist's example where he said basically bacteria is the, the size of a house and the virus is the size of a football. So you're trying to deal with something that you can't actually see. So um, our chemists working with the government were always arguing, uh, not publicly, but with the WHO initially, because the WHO would not admit that this product was, was, was airborne. Um, and there's a lot of political reasons behind that, which I won't, I won't go into on a podcast. Um, but um, in, in challenging that scenario, we were very much going, OK, we need to be atomizing this product. We need to get it as small as we possibly can, get it airborne as quickly as we possibly can under pressure. So that's why we went down the, the, the pressurized route uh, through a compressor-based system, um, through high-pressure airlines, through specialized design guns, uh, which look like a spray gun. Uh, made to a particular level of, of, of quality of stainless steel. So we're literally dealing with virgin air going through a process, atomizing the products into the air uh, that then itself will, will sort of wrap itself around the, the virus that's in the air. And if you could imagine that you're trying to hit um, a football with two or three tennis balls, that's the effect of, say, a fogging system. Um, our system is atomized, is hitting it with over a 1,000 uh, tennis balls. So you've got more chance of making contact um, and, and the atomization vehicle is, is the best and the only way to pretty much, you can't use the word guarantee, but get as close to guarantee that you're going to hit the virus in the air. Um, so that's why we've gone down that process, which is why we call it a sort of industrial engineered piece of equipment. Um, so you're dealing with a validated uh, product that's gone through all the, all the right protocols from British standards testing. Uh, so it, it's, it's got the certifications to, to deliver what it says. And then it's OK, let's get the best way to deploy it, which is the journey we've gone down with the deployment process um, of, of atomizing. So I can expand on that, but I think that gives a simple picture. No, that's, yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. I, I kind of feel like I am. Um... I want to walk down the street and when I go into Sainsbury's, have one of your atomizers and just spray it for people that come a little bit too close to me. I think, yeah. I think we all need one of these um, issuing as, as personal yeah. PCA. Um, but one thing I just wanted to pick up with you guys um, just briefly on as well is that this is all, I understand, non-toxic as well. So in terms of, I know there's a lot of conversation around, yeah, it's great that we can kill the virus, but is that not very damaging and dangerous for us as well? But this is quite a safe product. It is, and, and, and you're very right in bringing up the fact that it's non-toxic. It's also a dry product when it's been atomised, so it's very safe around electrics, electrical component parts, which is why when we worked through the rail industry, they, they, were, they were very for it because they've got obviously you know, a lot of technical equipment on a train um, and they wanted a dry product uh, when it sort of landed and, and created a residue, so computer screens, computer service um, areas, etc. It's It's very safe um, from that perspective, so it's used in offices in the same way because of that effect. It, it's a dry product. It's not wet. It, it leaves no chemical residue um, That's right. on the surface either. So, so clients, so with, yeah, 
clients with with products on on display or or fabrics, you know, they they can have the confidence that it's not it's not going to have any effect on that. Yeah, and if they were uh, kind of food products, you know, there's a lot of food shows that do sampling yeah. and all that kind of stuff, spraying those areas. Obviously, we would want it to be safe. Yeah. Um, really, really, really interesting, and definitely we're you know keen to hear about all those solutions that can help the industry get moving again and help us demonstrate how we can we can do it safely. Um, just talking about the wider industry, John Knight, what are you hearing from mm-hmm. your clients at the moment about how things are, are getting going? Are they starting plans um, for next year? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's um, it's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. I think people are trying to be positive. Um, there, there are people trying to plan. And, and, and really, I think what we're hearing is that they've written off Q1 and 2 next year. Um, and they are looking at other ways of engaging. We've got other conversations going on. Uh, we've got other services where we're supporting them about how they can take their products to their client base or their customer base. Um, but I think most people are really thinking about Q3, Q4. Um, they're, they're looking at the, the, there's still a massive level of uncertainty. Um, and, and obviously there's, people are going to come out of this and there's going to be some deep scars in, in particular with the exhibition and events industry. I, I think with the government's position as it is at the moment, it is going to leave some, some very deep scars across the industry. Um, and, and I think that's going to be incredibly sad. And I, I think it will have a, a ripple effect, but at the same time through every situation of, uh, of challenge and uncertainty, there will be ways in which we've moved forward. We saw in the early stages the use of, of uh, virtual reality, uh, online events, um, and in some cases people were using augmented reality to, to stage uh, different types of show and different formats. But I don't think people, I mean, from what we're hearing from our clients, they still want that face-to-face engagement. They still want to get together They've got products that they want to show people, and, and, and that can't be done. It's like it was described to me yesterday. It's like online shopping. You know, it's, it's great when you've got the time to sit there and browse, but actually when it comes through the post, it's quite disappointing, and I, and I think people still want that experience, and I think that's the key. It's the experience that people are lacking that is starting to re- they're starting to realise now they need to get back to that, and, and hence why... We've got work going out with mobile events, taking them to to their customers, as well as trying everything we can to engage, to get someone brave enough to say, let's hold a show, let's do a trial. You know, if we can get one of these trials at BBC or, or NEC, if we can get those going, then we can demonstrate to to a broad range of people that the, the risks that are, are there are, are, are highly, highly managed and that it is safe to hold events with all of these uh, these things in place. Absolutely, and you only have to look around the world, as we keep saying and in uh, uh, our uh, newsletters, that they're having events, they're happening, and we haven't seen any major spikes coming out of an exhibition hall no. yet. We've, you know, we've seen them coming out of other places, but not out of exhibition halls. So, yeah. And risk management is what event organisers do day in, day out. So, um, We are rapidly running out of time, but it's been really great to speak to you both. I'm sure lots of event organisers would be interested in getting in touch with you just to have a chat about how you could help them open more safely. So what's the best way of them getting in touch with you? Uh, so uh, our website, um, www.ef-engineering.co.uk. We have a, a dedicated page on uh, the sanitization process. 
Uh, so there's lots more information on there uh, about the, the technical aspects of it and how it works. But also there's our contact details on there. Um, email, I'm at, uh, john at ef-engineering.co.uk or I'm on LinkedIn and just search me. Perfect. Thank you. And the question we are asking all of our podcast guests at the moment, what has got you through lockdown and any good habits <laughs> you are intending to keep? Um, so for me, uh, I, I think... It was a strong belief that, that we could bounce back. That, that's what kept me going. I knew the team's strengths. You know, we came together as a group, which was probably one of the, out of the chaos, that was probably one of the things that, that I loved most is the fact that the group of companies came together and worked very effectively um, during the, the, the lockdown period. I think that the new habits is, is around maintaining that, that group teamwork and, and at senior management level and keeping that going. But also the, the reason we've got the solutions we have for our clients we listened but then we created space to to actually think and and i think that's what i'd like to continue going forward is that that um that 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 time and space to to step away from from the day-to-day grind to be able to look beyond where we are now and and, and create that that those solutions that have worked really well for our clients so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's many companies saying, if only we had that time to think and actually we should <laughs> yeah, value that yeah. a little bit more in our business. So, yeah. And um, John Kenyon, final word from uh, you. What's, what's kept you going through lockdown and any good habits you're keeping up? You want something that's repeatable or not? <laughs> Entirely up to you. It's your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we've, we've just been very, very busy which is a fortunate situation, but to be honest with you, an unfortunate one because our busyness has been supporting businesses like John's um, in finding solutions to, to deal with their clients because of the pandemic. Uh, we wish we were working perhaps in a different environment, but we're not. Yeah. So, uh, yes, we've been very busy um, and, and literally, you know, consulting, putting protocols together, uh, going through processes and procedures wherever we can to just help businesses get themselves back where they need to get. Um, you know, we, we are hugely supportive of that as a business brilliant brilliant well it is a, a fantastic solution i know um it's come out of necessity but actually it, it feels like it's a, a really well thought through solution um i know we've seen some come to market that are just kind of very quick and m- maybe yeah. don't have the, the thought and the, the detail going into the, the, your size but it definitely sounds like a great solution so and um, we will put all of your details up on the website um along with the podcast and i'm sure people will be um be keen to get in touch with you so thank you so much for taking the time out thank to you. speak to us both today and uh, enjoy the rest of your day so thanks to john knight and john kenyon there and although that conversation did get slightly technical in places um, i hope you took the inspiration away that there is lots going on in the industry with lots of people working behind the scenes to um, help demonstrate just how safe we can make exhibitions in 2021 um, and thank you for all the hard work they're doing on our behalves So that wraps the show up for us today and it is almost the last show of the year. We just have one episode coming out next year, uh, next week, sorry, even, which is going to be a mashup of your various Christmas messages. So if you have something you want to say to the industry, then please do get in touch, send us a little clip. We have also already heard from some of our previous guests, some new guests with their Christmas message. So if you want to be part of that mashup episode next week, then please do get in touch. As usual, you can find us in the normal places over on www.inspiringexhibitors.com where you can read the latest blogs, sign up for the newsletter and also buy a copy of the Exhibitionist book if you are looking for a last minute present for that exhibition geek in your life. Um, We might even write them a happy Christmas message inside. So get your last minute orders in now. 
Hopefully that's okay. We hope you are all keeping well. Please do get in touch if we can do anything to help at all. And happy exhibitioning. Pop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs, and future podcasts that keep you up to date with the latest news and industry insight. While there you can also find out more about our book The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening and we hope to see you on a trade show floor soon.